0: James O'Brien, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Thank you, good evening and welcome to No Pressure to be Funny at the Phoenix, as you've probably noticed, in Cavendish Square. My name is James O'Brien. I, uh, I, I hate it when we start with sort of personal anecdotes, but I have to tonight. I, I nearly didn't make it here tonight. It's quite hard getting a black cab at the moment if you work for LBC.
2: <laughs>
1: oh yes, my colleague David Meller has been in the news for ranting at a London cabbie. He described the man as a smart assed little git and a sweaty, stupid little shit. Um, some might think that was the pot calling the kettle a black cab, but I couldn't possibly comment. Um, I've got to walk past him at work, of course. I would take the long way round, but he'd probably tell me I didn't know where the fuck I was going. Uh, apparently, Mr Meller was wearing a replica John Terry Chelsea kit that evening to enhance his abusive performance. <laughs> For, for, for the younger people in the audience, that's a reference there to a David Miller scandal from 1992. Uh, Andrew Mitchell, of course, lost his libel case. It's, it's rumoured that as he tried to leave court by the side entrance, um, he called the judge a fucking pleb on the way out. An official report has criticised Facebook for failing to spot posts by terrorists. Um, Facebook has attempted to draw a veil over the matter, which the report says is just how the terrorists like it. <laughs> Michelle Obama's Healthy School Meals campaign has provoked online protests from American school kids. They were going to hold a march, but they ran out of breath. And the ex-wife of hedge fund manager Sir Chris Hone got £337 million in a divorce settlement this week. It's heartening to know that someone can get something out of bankers, even if the government can't. And and some foreign news for you. America tested its first seaborne laser gun this week from a ship called the USS Ponce. <laughs> We're sure in Britain that it's very impressive, but you wait until you see the weapons we've got on HMS Dickwad, Jerkoff, and Douchebag. <laughs> Actually, I don't like that that joke to be honest, because the, the po- poking fun at Americans for having names that don't cross the Atlantic very well is very, very cheap. As I said to my good friend, the Deputy Head of Etiquette at the White House, Mr. Randy Bumgardner. Uh, Right, Um, the first thing I will do this evening is one of the greatest pleasures I ever have in all the years that we've been doing No Pressure to be Funny. I'm going to invite onto the stage one of the most talented people we have the pleasure to call a regular. Um, In fact, he's played here now more often than Metallica has played at the Reading Festival. So please welcome our very own bearded rock god, Mr. James Sherwood.
3: Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Good evening. Hello. Now, this, this song is uh, about probably the most stupid thing that uh, any politician uh, has ever said uh, in answer to a, a question. You may disagree, James. You've asked a few politicians a few questions. But um, Ed Miliband has asked the question, um, how do you feel when you see a white man? And he said, well... I feel respect. Now, that's a very good impression. I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, I've got that perfect combination of he sounds a little bit like... The cross between how a deaf person talks and how a deaf person hears uh, is what is what one person thinks. That's brilliant. Um, I thought that this afternoon. I thought, that's good. that's good. Oh, the two people. Sorry, you were just wetting yourself silently for a while. Uh, so, uh, let's... Uh, before I offend uh, any more disabled people...
2: On with the song. Thank you. When I see
3: a white van, I just feel respect. Other van colors have a different effect. If it's gray, then I feel serious and sad and stuff like that. If it's red, then I'm excited, cause it might be Postman Pat. You can camouflage a van if you're in the armed forces. They had a three-wheeled yellow one on only fools and horses When a card'll bring the shopping in the van is usually green If a van's playing a tune, then it probably sells ice cream Whoa, Whoa, vans, you know, can be big And they can be small but Van Gogh and Van Morrison, watch out, because they're not really Vans at all. Fans, Vans, Vans, fans. They bring such happiness to me, they could bring it to you If it's green and blue with flowers on, it could be Scooby-Doo
1: Ladies and gentlemen, James Sherwood and his van. Please join me now in welcoming to the stage this week's panel. Please welcome Ashling B, Beatrix Campbell, Trevor Crook and Tobias Persian. B. Campbell is an award-winning journalist, author, broadcaster, campaigner, and playwright. Frankly, with a CV like that, she'd make a pretty good panel all by herself, but we thought she might like some company. Uh, Trevor Crook is an Australian comedian, described by the comedy website Chortle as deadpan almost to the point of comatose. So we're what? just delighted that you're sitting up straight, Trevor. I'm very expressive. Ashling <laughs> <laughs> uh, B is an award-winning comedian and actress whose presence as the second woman on our panel this week means that this month's podcast is already twice as good as one episode of Mock the Week.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and our final guest is the Swedish comedian Tobias Persson, whom we discovered we had left over when we finished assembling the rest of the panel. <laughs> oh, ho, ho, ho. Ladies and gentlemen, the panel. <laughs> Ouch. Ladies and gentlemen, Alistair Barry.
4: Um, Yes, the devil's advocate believes that the boss of Save the Children is worth every penny of her £240,000 salary. I like holidays. I like time off. I like not having to write sneery monologues in which jealousy is dressed up as moralising disapproval of others' hard work. It gives me time to do stuff I enjoy, like listening to the songs of veteran American comedian Tom Lehrer. If you haven't heard of him, please check him out. How can you not love a man who once said, if after hearing my songs just one human being is inspired to say something nasty to a friend or perhaps to strike a loved one, it will all have been worth the while. (laughs) An urban myth persists that he gave up satire in 1973 when Henry Kissinger was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize because there was no longer any point. Fast forward 40 years, however, and there can be no doubt that last week, Tony Blair was presented with a Global Legacy Award by Save the Children, presumably awarded in recognition of the amount of work his legacy has created for them globally. Mm. Does this mean I can retire? Not content with a PR blunder akin to offering Vladimir Putin free travel on Malaysian airways... It was also revealed that Save the Children pay their chief executive, Jasmine Whitbread, a salary of £240,000 per annum. Of course, charity is just another sector now, and we know all the arguments about how Miss Whitbread, where have I heard that name, could just transfer her skill set into a different sector, possibly one employing children rather than saving them. All this in the same week that Boris Johnson said his favourite thing about London was its 78 billionaires, who apparently provide the rest of us with work, bringing the car round to the front of the hotel. You would think a remark so massively ill-judged that even Andrew Mitchell and David Meller agreed it was a bit cunty.
2: LAUGHTER
4: <laughs> might have dented his popularity, but apparently not. It really does make you realise there's no longer any point writing jokes about the great and good, terms and conditions apply, when they keep on writing better ones themselves. <laughs> so, Jasmine is worth every penny of her 240k because it gives me time off to go and do something more fun, like bang my head repeatedly against a brick wall before nipping round the back of the hotel to pick up someone else's car for them. I still have to earn some money. I need it for when I go out to fight with all the other poor people on Black Friday. <laughs>
2: Thank you.
1: <laughs> 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 Alistair Barry, ladies and gentlemen. So, it's a true story that um, uh, Tony Blair awarded a, a wonderful award by Save the Children in America, which of course prompted many people working for Save the Children in Britain to uh, to threaten to resign in, in protest. Uh, I sort of B. Campbell, we'll start with you because he he, he did get the award for doing stuff that actually happened and all the protests against him getting it, also for stuff that actually happened, but not the stuff that he got the award for. Has he been treated unfairly, do you think? No. (laughs) You could leave it there, I suppose.
5: (laughs) (laughs) God, let me just say, here's a bloke who was affectionately known by the late, great independent columnist Alan Watkins as... The young war criminal, Mr. Tony Blair. Mm
2: -hmm.
5: Well, Mr. Tony Blair aided and abetted what you might call the massacre of hundreds of thousands of children. 39% of the casualties in the UK-US bombing of Iraq were children. That's why we all hate him, don't we?
6: There you go. Do you think it was an exercise, an irony, that so he could just they could just mm-hmm. go up and go without Tony Blair, we at Save the Children would not be here today. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it's quite hard to phrase this point, but I shall try. It, it, it wasn't for the children he didn't save that he got the award. It was it was for the children <laughs> Tobias that he did save. Yeah. I mean, what, what is how is he regarded outside these shores? Is because he, is he, I mean in parts of Kosovo, to, Tony Blair is a name. It's actually a name. Is that uh, your
6: Kosovar accent, one. just to clear it up? <laughs> yes. Tony Blair. Oh, interesting. Is that one guy? Ga- Tony, ga-
7: Tony Blair.
1: Tony Blair. Tony Blair. What's Tony a Kosovan Bleu. surname? Any Any Kosovans in the house? It's
6: Kosovars,
1: I think. It's Kosovars. No? Well, it's, uh, can we do a Kosovar surname? Anything? But anyway, it's, if you had a Kosovar surname, mm. insert generic Kosovar surname, it would be Tony Bleu. So in some parts mm. of the world, he's a right old hero. <laughs>
7: Well, I mean, hmm. in Sweden, we, we just think that he's—I don't know sort of fairly nice. I don't know why. So, oh, the, uh, the, you, know, you do? Why? Yeah, I think, I, I think I, I'm not saying I do. I'm saying people in general, sort of, you know, oh, the you know, prime minister and stuff.
5: So. We thought Swedes were—you we know—humanitarian and well-educated we and are. speak English. Most of us yeah. are. Turns out
7: Swedes that's are just turnips. <laughs> that's 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 why I left the country.
6: <laughs> but people, don't think, clap that. It's terrible. People in Sweden don't really
7: have um, know as much, I think, about his war activities. There's war
6: activities,
8: and that is the point, isn't it, Trevor? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in Australia, Tony Blair is uh, semi-respected by... Yeah, I thought this general? might happen, and yet yeah. you're,
1: you're going to be staggered sta- sta- yeah. by this.
8: Why, why is that then, Trevor? Why, why is Sam? Well, why is because you know, he, basically, he's, he's a he's a puppet, and he, he uh, I wouldn't. He's suffering now, anyway. He looks mentally unwell, doesn't he, Tony Blair? So I think he does. He's, it's the stress of being a cunt, basically, and <laughs> he's, uh, and now he's paying the price. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say he hasn't been punished. I think he has, and he, turn, inter- he's internally suffering. Do
1: you think he's t- he's dying inside? Or that uh, yes, he's, he's died probably because he's five got or 10 years
8: really. Ago. I think so. Yeah, because he's
1: got the look of those rich, rich, really—you know—that look. That yeah, yeah, that's fucking smarmy on the outside. On the outside, yeah. yeah. But
8: I'd like to see him executed uh, by the same token. That escalated my quickly, own,
6: didn't it?
2: My personal,
8: for my personal satisfaction, I think he should be publicly the, executed. But
1: the, I'll see what I can do. The award was—the <laughs> award was also for for foreign aid, though, B, And he, I mean, it's a toxic political issue in mm. in, in many ways. But he did introduce it ring fence it 0.7% of the of the of the budget of the you know national expenditure goes on foreign aid deeply unpopular policy in some quarters of the country but save the children's job is to recognize politicians who who no, do the he, right oh, thing no
5: hold on he didn't he, he did no no he didn't his, he did his government <laughs> fight, did, fight, his fight, government fight, did. Fight. Lest we forget he's the guy who when do you remember um, robin cook the little yes, poem, poem. gnome of no, of our foreign secretary no well you're too yeah. young you see yeah, well, yeah, I know. Yeah, thank Robin Cook
8: died Robin Cook he died,
5: Cook, he died mm. and, but yeah. he announced when he was foreign secretary that Britain would now have an ethical foreign policy mm. and Blair was absolutely furious and said no we will not we need to bomb Iraq
1: I think he thought it was ethical <laughs> so we did at the we time. bombed Iraq
5: and we didn't have an ethical foreign policy Get
1: it? Yes, but he still did bring in foreign aid, and that's what saved the No, he didn't. Gave. Claire Short did. Mm. So, so she should have got the award. Yeah. That would have been nicer, yeah. less controversial, but there's yeah. no way they'd have got a big gala dinner with $500 a plate to give Claire Short an award, is in mm. America? It was, you know, he's an international statesman. He's a glamorous figure now.
6: Mm. Well, he should go and live there, shouldn't he? He should have given it to Kim <laughs> Kardashian or something like
2: that
1: instead, maybe. Yeah.
6: Well, what, 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 I mean,
1: talking about our prime ministers, i, I always sort of interested to know whether the British have a uniquely negative and cynical attitude. It's odd to think that in recent months, Gordon Brown and John Major have both sort of been treated quite respectfully by a media that once used to line up to sort of crucify and denigrate them at every opportunity. In in, in Sweden, it's it's an interplay, because I know we were talking before, you do Gigs uh, in both countries, the political interplay in in Sweden, is it the same as there? Are politicians generally regarded as as sort of one notch down from pedophiles, whether they Ah, actually are? One notch above. Well, some of them, of course, it's an intersecting
7: group, as we are increasingly...
1: But but how does it work there? How does it work at home?
7: We actually treat our politicians quite well. Really? Yeah, I mean, compared to I mean daily papers over here, where they take photographs in the bathroom and stuff.
1: And do you get a better class of a politician as a result? No. <laughs>
7: oh. What
1: about in Australia? I presume Australian politicians get as rough a ride as British
7: ones. Well, do, we've got
8: boat people in Australia they are regarded as refugees. Yes. So they get more sympathy because they're coming from war-torn countries and, and you tend to think, well, we helped to uh, you know, destroy those countries, so now we're getting sort of payback. You know, we're getting these refugees. They come in boats, apparently. They travel a thousand miles across shark-infested borders, so They then come to Australia and go on the dole. That's what they think. A lot of Australians think they're coming why to they get, uh, to yeah, get uh, the goal familiar. and the benefits of the Australian welfare system. But, uh, and know.
1: Tony Abbott enforces that idea, doesn't he? Your yeah, current Prime Minister is, is...
8: Yeah, more so than, uh, you know, Roden and Gillard, you know. You're allowed... We're, we've signed the UN Refugee Convention, so we have to bring in 13,000 a year, which isn't a lot. I mean, over 10 years, 130,000, so mm. it's not... A lot of people think we're being swamped by refugees, but it's 13,000 a year max and sometimes less. So It's different here, though, because you've got, I don't really call, you don't call them refugees from Europe, do you? Are they coming here? They're immigrants or are they refugees? It's, it's within the European
1: Union, they're migrants, because it's a sort of a political body. If they're outside the European, it's immigrants. If they're coming from war-torn countries, it would still be refugees. But no-one gives a shit. They're just dirty foreigners for most of <laughs> you. Yeah. That's, that's the way the narrative is going at the moment, which occurs to me, actually, we're, we're swamped on the panel this evening, I've just realised. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's just not okay?
7: good.
2: Actually,
6: can I just say that in my country, I was a doctor. <laughs> it's very different for me than for someone who came over 20, 30 years ago. Yes. I'm very lucky. I'm a post river dance generation. We're very, <laughs> not really. We're just sort of dancing Egypts rather than terrorists now. Um, and it's an odd position to be living in the UK and using a lot of the services and very grateful to be here. But to be one of the okay immigrants... Yeah. And to be sort of the acceptable... For In, now, yeah, actually For now. For what now. For now, can I actually. just say? <laughs> um, until this podcast finishes and nobody likes us anymore. Um, but it's an odd thing to be one of the acceptable faces because it, you have to kind of work out what, what part of this is, is a trouble with immigration and a strain on the services and what part is just plain old racism. And th- I think that's what you have to work out in each argument. What point of this is going, oh, yeah, maybe it is a strain on the services. But actually, if you look at the numbers, immigration adds more to the current society than it does. There's more skilled laborers coming in than not. And yet we're we're going, oh, we're swamped, we're swamped. And I think it's because of, like, uh, uh, headlines and characters and Twitter saying things and people believing them. But actually, the, the, the facts aren't there, and it doesn't... I would I would say it brings up... In, when I came over here, I came over here to go to drama school. So for two years, I didn't earn. For two years after that, I didn't earn yet. I was still able to use all the health services. If I was to go to America, I'd still have to have a huge amount of savings. I'd have to prove that I have, say, $5,000. Never had to do anything like that here. And I've been completely able to use the health... There's no joke coming at the end of this, by the well, way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it might only be a valid point. Boring! Um Have you been very
1: poorly? Have you have you used a lot of services?
2: Oh, I
6: I hop down to the NHS nurses when I just want to chat. That's
2: not. Like I am absolutely a burden on the system.
6: Like I'm like, oh, I hurt my finger, but I also would like a hug.
1: Um, Ladies and gentlemen, slight change of pace now. If you would join me in inviting onto the stage, Nick Revel.
0: The St. Louis County prosecutor who assembled the grand jury to see if there were grounds for indicting Officer Darren Wilson of the Ferguson, Missouri Police Department for shooting Michael Brown dead in August is a racist white man called Robert P. McCulloch and is not competent to hold his office. I doubt he'll ever hear this monologue because I doubt he knows how to use the Internet. Uh, I say that because I spent about eight or ten hours this week online researching the U.S. legal system, and as a result, I reckon I know more about it than he does. In his announcement that there would be no prosecution, Mr. McCulloch said, the duty of the grand jury is to separate fact from fiction. Well, Mr. McCulloch, in case you somehow do stumble across this podcast by accidentally hitting the... uh, Appropriate keys on your computer at random while trying to change your screensaver to a Confederate flag, perhaps. That is not the duty of a grand jury. The duty of a grand jury is to find probable cause for a criminal trial, where the conflicting evidence will then be set out to a jury in front of a judge. It is their duty to separate fact from fiction. Mr. McCulloch, don't take my word for it. Read the words of Antonin Scalia. Uh, In case you don't know who Antonin Scalia is, Mr. McCulloch, he is a judge of the Supreme Court of the United States, which is the top court in the country where you live. Justice Scalia said in the case of United States versus Williams, 1992, told you I'd been online, It is the grand jury's function not to inquire upon what foundation the charge may be denied or otherwise to try the suspect's defences, but only to examine upon upon what foundation the charge is made by the prosecutor. The suspect under investigation by the grand jury has never been thought to have a right to testify or to have exculpatory evidence presented. So, Mr. McCulloch, you had no business doing what you did, calling the defendant to testify. Although, in fairness... I do admit your team did subject Officer Wilson to very tough questioning like you felt your life was in jeopardy and use of deadly force was justified at that point in your opinion. Hmm. You didn't press other law enforcement officials about contradictions in their testimony which was wrong Mr McCulloch. The prosecutor's job before a grand jury is to argue one-sided for a prosecution but you did subject prosecution witnesses to stiff cross-examination which is the job of the defense counsel not that there is a defense counsel in a grand jury hearing but you changed that didn't you mr mcculloch in your unprecedentedly even-handed way which leads me mr mcculloch to the word prosecutor which appears in your job title it means you are responsible for prosecuting ask your friends in the st louis police department to explain the term So far, Mr McCulloch, it could look just like you're being incompetent or stupid, which is why I'm talking slowly. But forgive me, it gets more sinister, which is why I reckon you're probably a racist or at least biased. See, I know you spend most of your time working with the police force, so it must have been difficult for you to be suddenly charged with putting someone who is effectively a colleague in the dock. So I'm confused that you didn't step aside and let a disinterested party conduct... The case, that was suggested to you, wasn't it? You may have forgotten, but it's been in all the papers. I knew your father was uh, shot dead by a black man when you were 12. I lost mine from natural causes when I was 54, and that still hurts. So I can imagine how much pain you must feel. It might even be, in some way, an explanation for your apparent racism, but, of course, not a justification. You see, Mr McCulloch, it was a really sensitive case. Surely you knew that. Surely even you could see some connection between the shooting and the riots back in August. It's possible you didn't. Uh, It was obvious even to members of undiscovered tribes in the (laughs) Amazon rainforest. But we've established that you're stupid and incompetent. There's an old saying, Mr McCulloch, justice must not be just done, it must be seen to be done. Ask a friend in the police department to explain the word justice to you. Although on second thoughts, never mind. No justice, no peace, Mr McCulloch. You announced that there would be no indictment at 8.30 in the evening. The decision had been made way earlier. People were waiting to hear it all through the day. You let tension mount. That really didn't help, Mr McCulloch. But maybe you had more important things to do through the day, like, I don't know, cutting eye holes in some new bed linen. (laughs) (laughs) Let's look at what we know about the actual incident. Michael Brown and his friend Dorian Johnson are walking down a road in Ferguson, a quiet road, no traffic, Wilson pulls up in a police vehicle and, clearly concerned for their welfare and safety, politely asks them to get the fuck on the fucking sidewalk. Then Wilson decides one of them fits the description of a guy who's just robbed a shop round the corner of a packet of cigarillos. He was right. There's a row. Brown possibly assaults Officer Wilson. Cop has mace, gun, baton. Chooses gun, shoots at him twice. Brown and Johnson run away. Officer chases, shoots him about six more times, at which point it seems like Brown turns round towards him. Whether to surrender or attack him is not clear, and for a jury to decide probable cause, Mr. McCulloch. Officer Wilson says, at this point, it looked like he was bulking up to run through the shots, like it was making him mad that I'm shooting at him being shot made him mad what an ill-mannered youth <laughs> he'd stolen a packet of fags and of course let's not forget the police officer was armed only with his 45 caliber handgun brown may have been packing cigarillos He's running away. He's already hit at least a couple of times. Now, the Supreme Court ruled in in the case of State of Tennessee versus Garner, 1985, that deadly force can be used on fleeing felons only when the officer believes he himself or others may be in threat of death. Maybe Officer Wilson had every right to believe that this unarmed, wounded man who was running away from him did pose a deadly threat, Maybe Wilson feared Brown was going to pin someone down and force them to smoke the entire packet of cigarillos. I'm not saying Officer Wilson is indisputably guilty, Mr McCulloch, but I am saying there was probable cause for an indictment. And I'm not saying that you are indisputably a racist. I'm just saying there is probable cause to suggest you might be. No justice, no peace. My original desire in this monologue, Mr McCulloch, was, as they say where you live, to tear you a new arsehole. (laughs) But judging by all the shit that oozes out of your face, there's clearly no need. Now, those of you listening here in Britain may think this case does not concern or affect you directly. But I say this. This policeman shot dead someone who he initially swore at for walking in the road. This was the action of a policeman from a country that still likes to think of itself as the world's policeman. So, even if you think this doesn't concern you, remember, we're all citizens of the world. For the purposes of the record, at this point, Mr. Revel is attempting his best Clint Eastwood impression. (laughs) (laughs) So, next time you're walking down the road and you hear a disembodied voice from the drone two miles above your head say, get on the fucking sidewalk, you just have to ask yourself one question. Do you feel lucky? (laughs) Well, do you, punk? No further questions, Your Honor. (laughs) Nick Revel, ladies
1: and gentlemen. There is one other event this week that has left me utterly, utterly bamboozled. And I, I, I can't really see anybody's hands. But, but was Black Friday a thing last year?
6: General consensus there. Well, I don't, I don't I
7: don't know. <laughs> you started a riot
1: little acorns Are you, I, but Ashley let me start with you Was it a th- I don't think I'd, I'd ever but I'm getting old my short term memory is not what it used to be I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I'd never heard of Black Friday before
6: no, either have I. I've heard of Friday. Have
1: you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah.
6: Um, and of the colour black, but I've never heard the two of them put together. Um, and also that it runs through Saturday, which all say, oh, it's Black Friday on Saturday. You're going, oh. Really? Is that is that? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. So it runs for the entire black weekend. Friday on, yeah. So it's Black Friday today? Yeah, it's Black Friday today. It's still Black Friday. Today's what Sunday. is Black Friday? Um, black Friday is where um, televisions become uh, important enough to hit people in the face. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did, did you see the footage? Did yeah, you, you, I mean, it was. you're not anyone who didn't see it. Ashling's not exaggerating. No, it really, it.
6: it was. It looked like great crack, though. I mean, they just need <laughs> next next year go in with helmets. It's sort of a new sport. <laughs> yeah. and, and, it sort of looked like old fashioned dog fighting or something I like that, it, where you'd put your money on like you know, the lad who goes in with the gloves and the child going. Did, <laughs> did you see
2: it? Did you see? I the, saw
6: it, but uh, I, you know, that was the first time I heard about it.
7: Yeah, this Friday, and I saw the images of some woman knocking her own kid or someone's kid over. You know, f- to have a new remote and just, <laughs> just killing an, an an infant to, to <laughs> look at Crab TV. That's uh, What's going on?
1: Can you get inside the head of these people? Is because there, I, I, there's a danger sometimes that you say it and you say, "Well, you don't know what it's like not to be able to afford a, a new television. And I'm sort of thinking,
6: "Well, is it is it a real is it a real is it like 70% off?" Has anyone yeah. gone to the shops during Black Friday? Like they're maybe?
1: going to own up now. We've just called them. Is anyone Neanderthal knuckle dragging? Where is the, knuckle- Dra- the Any, nut job who went? Uh, <laughs> knuckle dragging <laughs> plebs in the house.
7: <laughs> say <"Urgh!" laughs> I mean it's not like like they gave away you know free cars or rainbows just no. a slightly cheaper TV
1: But it's more than 10% it was a deal I mean it was, was worth it? yeah okay. it, was,
7: it wasn't worth treading on your own
1: child's larynx for but it was <laughs> but it was worth getting out of bed early perhaps but why is it called black Get, that's what I was trying to yeah. work out. Oh, actually. it's
6: because after Thanksgiving is apparently the time in the year when um, shops officially come out of the red don't and start going into the black, which I is, well, then start making I profit. So three so There's written, three
1: explanations around, and that you're absolutely that's right. That's that one. one. That is one of the official that, No, that is one, that's the right that one. Is one of ah, them. That's the right that one. That is <laughs> <laughs> one of them. Ah, that's
6: that the right one. That is one of the explanations. Yeah, no, fair enough. That's the right one. That's one but, yeah, so that's what
1: it is. But what is in the mind of somebody who, who, who turns up at Asda in Wembley, some of the footage I saw, with a, f- with a game face on? It's not, I don't
6: think it's class related. It's not yeah, class yeah, related, yeah. it's consumer related. Yes, so but what is it? What from... is
1: the frenzy? Trevor, you have a go.
6: Well, sir, I mean. I, I think you, you are be the be most
1: f- frenzied <laughs> member of the panel <laughs> after well, all. No, Australians <laughs> don't get
8: frenzied. We, we, we have Black Wednesday in Australia, actually. That was a bushfire. <laughs> and tend, to, uh, tend to turn things black, so. That's not know, a, a euphemism, is
6: it? it was no, no, euphemism. no. no what what do you think
8: is going on? I think it's just poor people uh, trying to, because it's all oh. debt-driven. They, don't, they can't can't afford it. It's all on credit cards. So it's, I think it's poor people trying to escape the mundaneness of their sad lives. You know, that, something
6: like, I like I that. I ch- think that's the. <laughs> Thanks, mate. It's all, it's an addiction. It's an
8: addiction. But to they can you, do that
1: with. They could do that every day.
8: That they, yeah, but but that, the occasion They could of it. do it every day. It's an could. addiction to gadgets. So I think that's. What but, it is. but why Black Friday? Because <laughs> why, why it's a big because thing. It's like balance, Saying people,
7: it's, the papers make it a big thing, and it says um, yeah. it's coming, and you have to get ready. People get get their and
6: that
1: would be hard to resist, would it, if you were a peasant?
6: It's think not. It. I, I really. Th- I. I think you have to be careful by saying it's in any way uh, poverty. It's. It's a consumer thing. I don't think it's like it getting is. Getting trapped up. There be lots
1: it. of people there. We spoke to some. Did you hear the Welsh bloke on my radio? Don't answer that because then I'll realise that none of you have ever listened to the fucking show in your life. <laughs> <laughs> so Welsh bloke, and I'll have a crack at the accent because it's nearly the interval. It, it, it's a, I only came out for milk and eggs, and I just bought myself a telly. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and. And that's what it was like. You'd have, you had these people, ap- apparently ordinary people, who for the other 364 <laughs> yeah. days of the year, go shopping.
6: Yeah. But you're, uh, you're caught up in consumerism. I remember, um, I think it was uh, 10 years ago, slow-developing body lotion, false tan, came out in Ireland. Now, people go, That doesn't seem like a big deal. It was a big deal to the Irish community who had never had a tan. Um, and I remember Boots had this fa- uh, this slow-developing body lotion tan. And I was living in Dublin at the time in our main city. And someone said, you know there's slow-developing body lotion tan on the go down of Boots? And I was like, God, is there? It sounds good. Maybe I'll wander down. Oh, they'll be gone by 3 o'clock. And I went down to Boots, and women were grabbing at this tan. And I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. But I took four. <laughs> it felt like... There might be a war, and I'd be very pale during the war. Exactly. And that's the last thing that I would want. course, I, like, I better yeah. take four.
1: Um, if you've been to the show before, you'll know that I always do something hilarious at this point. I go through the uh, I go through the contributions that you have made in the course of the interval, and and I um, I sort of pull some faces like this, and a bit sometimes like this, and then I kind of do a couple of uh, weak gags about how awful your contributions have been, and then I kind of turn it all around and go, no, no, only kidding, it's going to be a really belting second half. But this week, ladies and gentlemen, they really are shit. (laughs) Um, Which, I I suppose, you've paid, so it puts the pressure on the panel, doesn't it, certainly to to I'll give you an example. This is unsigned, unsurprisingly. (laughs) Why is everything an ist these days? Racist, sexist, I'm pissed. (laughs) <laughs> am I the only one <laughs> um, now for the second musical interlude of the evening Mr James Sherwood thank
3: you very much very kind now you were probably looking at the news this week and thinking oh Nothing much rhymes with pleb, does it?
2: <laughs>
3: Andrew Mitchell was running rather late when a cop said he should bring his bike through a different gate. He blew his top into the cop, as you may well have heard. He criticised the policeman with the rather unusual word Andrew your career is now at its lowest ebb Cos when you saw a policeman you called him a fucking bleb <laughs> The policeman was unimpressed and ran off to the sun As any proud and self-respecting policeman would have done The sun said yes and I confess I would have done the same For a story of a Tory calling a cop a ridiculous name Andrew, now the truth is all over the web That when you saw a policeman you called him a fucking (laughs) blem The next day Andrew once again was cross He grabbed a copy of The Sun and went to see his boss I promise you it isn't true, this cop's out of his mind He wasn't sacked but after a month he gave up and resigned. Now the welcome in the house must be colder than mid-Feb Cos when you saw a policeman you called it the funky blimp. <laughs>
2: hey!
3: Andrew Mitchell got several policemen fired We saw him as a victim against whom the police conspired Then just for fun he sued the Sun, which wasn't all that wise Because for once the Sun's front page was not a pack of lies You're dumber than George Bush, Andrew, or even his brother Jeb You got him a flaky blip the judge decided the punishment should be big. He looked down from his judge's chair, straightened his judge's wig. It bothers me you're going free after these things you did. Instead, you'll have to pay the costs of several million quid. You should have run off quicker than Lord Co, normally known as Seb. Instead of calling a police, he's <laughs> a Thank you Andrew, you cheating Tory beast I've needed cheering up since Andy Coulson got released You're a dreadful bloke and now you're broke I guess these are the facts At least this way you won't have to pay the mansion tax Before no one had heard of you Now you're practically a celeb Just when you saw a policeman you called him a fucking blame
1: James Sherwood ladies and gentlemen
2: James Sherwood
1: I'm, I'm glad you're back I'm pissed yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, G- Gilfie Sigurdsson Swansea City's Icelandic midfielder Missed a couple of Good chances against Crystal Palace last Saturday wh- wh- Why was that Do you think <laughs> <laughs>
7: um, He was pissed Yeah Gylfi <laughs> yeah, Sigurdsson
1: giving Fair enough It's a A couple of, uh, I I, I sort of, I'll keep this brief because I don't want it to to sound like it's confined to people kind enough to listen to my radio show. But but Professor Hal is in the house tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes up 30% of all the audience contributions say, Where is Professor Hal? Professor Hal, give us a wave. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sandra, the wave won't work on the podcast, but he's over there somewhere. Professor Hal contributes to my Mystery Hour feature. Some would say he was the star of it, but they wouldn't have heard me say my mystery hour feature. (laughs) He he has contributed. I can explain Black Friday with an amusing anecdote (laughs) Uh about my sense of missing out, which led to me outbidding myself by £50 at a car auction. (laughs) That's it, isn't it? You're right. And, and he says it's about... He is, I should add, the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton. Um, he, he adds it's about a sense of preset entitlement coupled with a fear of missing out. And that, that is why he is the Professor of the Public... What was it again? The Professor... That's why he's a professor. <laughs> now, let, let's move on to this. Will there be a revolution? Signed, Russell Brand. Um. <laughs> Be. Do you, do you, do you, do you, I read an astonishing thing when Russell Brand first started agitating last year about not encouraging people not to vote, and, and off the back of the Occupy movement. And I, someone said I was contacted by one of my my colleagues in in Europe, like proper old school leftist um, politicians, and said, "Is this is this is this got legs? Is this actually is that?" It was a review of of his book actually in the Guardian, and it said there was a sense for a very brief moment that Russell Brand might actually be igniting or, 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 or accelerating something significant. D- did you ever feel that? No. Not even... <laughs> 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 not, not, not even for a little bit? No. Uh, will there ever be a revolution?
7: You mean Black Friday? No. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Well, there might oh. be in
5: Scotland, but you see, they vote. <laughs> mm. They voted. Hmm. Everybody voted in Scotland. Pretty much. Yeah, because they thought it was worth it, because they're not stupid.
8: Well, it's compulsory in Australia to vote, but what? I haven't voted for Voting 20... is
5: compulsory.
8: Yeah, you have to vote, but I haven't voted for 25 years, but... You and Russell
5: Brand together, you see. Oh? You and Russell Brand... Oh, yeah, listen
8: to, I've listened to Russell Brand. I, I, I agree with some things. I mean, I can understand him. Understand him saying, "Well, uh, people aren't represented." That's, that's probably true. Yeah,
6: know, we know so. that. Why do you not vote
8: as a matter of interest? Well, I uh, couldn't be fucked, Ashley. Too far <laughs> to go. Polling booth at least. Polling booths, is least, uh, polling booths yeah. about a quarter of a mile away. And so.
1: I, uh, I, the narrative of revolution, I, I appreciate that you're deeply unimpressed by it, but there, there, there was, there is, I'll tell you what I was thinking, the 99% versus the 1%, that got yeah. real tr- that got real traction, real traction, and then something happened, a uh, global financial crash perhaps or something, you could be more cynical about it, you could be more conspiracy theory. And, and now we're all fighting against each other, now it's a circular firing squad and we're being encouraged to hate each other. So w- what Russell Brand did do was was sort of speak to that sense of, Tiny minority at the top, massive, massive majority left, which is traditional politics. B. No,
8: that's he didn't.
5: Not... You see, he is charming and funny. He's very, very, very funny, and he says, "Don't vote."
1: Well, that's a small part of his manifesto. Mm. Well, no, it's and not. To be I honest, mean, that's, the, that's it, the
5: first thing that he does. He that might that have changed the, his mind the next day. He's, that anybody quite... pays attention to, and then he writes a book mm. that I, do you know, I haven't got the time really to read it but so I did read the reviews and they all said it doesn't make sense it's incomprehensible right. I guess some, some of the stuff good.
7: he said was actually quite, quite good I mean what, can I can say yes. say? I what kind of stuff did he say what kind of stuff what? did you like no I mean d- d- uh, the, the stuff he said you know even like the one percent
5: are appalling and bad and they're ruining the world I agree with that yeah
7: yeah and how they were doing it yeah, um, yeah. and possibly even why they. but it, were doing it. I, I think it's
5: just I think it's a different thing I,
7: I think it's one thing writing sort of you know, uh, columns and stuff, and and he's he's sort of speaking in a very sort of broad, uh, how shall I put it? I'm f- I'm not from this country. <laughs> um, I, th- I think he's connecting with with young people, even though he might be obviously he might be wrong in saying don't vote because you, you know that you can change things by voting, but at the same time he, he's connecting with the young people. I think. Do
5: you know what? I think I think he doesn't. I think that he's. I think this is really really important. He's. He's a classic case of <coughs> what's catastrophic about our media and our publishing industry that daftness, as long as you inven- invest millions in it, it will be everywhere, is everywhere in the true da 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 da. But being not daft, which is a different thing from not being funny. Mm. Um, Why don't you look at me when she says <laughs> that? <laughs> mm. <laughs> So but Russell Brand, who you know, is who is very, on very Question Time? Funny. Do you know this
1: isn't a joke? He's on Question Time next week with Nigel Farage.
5: Well, there yeah, you go. Right. Do you that that tells I, you everything. Uh, about...
6: It's yeah. the issue. You feel like, oh, I want to watch that. Yeah, but it's going to be. And, but shit the problem politics. is, of, the point course, B is so being, of course, being in the UK, I've never come across a country where so much of the majority of the people aren't represented in in, in Parliament that like you've got people yeah. from a completely different educative background. C- pretty much, it's all. I mean, it must be something like ninety five percent. of of the British government is from a completely different background to most of the United Kingdom. During a recession, you've got people in charge who don't know what it's like to want or have never not have. They've always had a safety net. And if you are trying to control benefits, yes, you should have a sort of background in economics and economic study, but you shouldn't be from a background that doesn't know what it's like not to have. And there's no other... (laughs) People people are drawn towards characters who... uh, who at least are something different. And I, I mean, I am, not sta- I, I am not standing in any way by Russell Brand. i come from a country where it's very important to vote, uh, or, or UKIP in any way. But th- we kind of want to ridicule these cartoons because it's easier than going, oh, wait, now, why are those cartoons popular? And it's because there's nothing else. Mm. The alternative is people who come from ridiculous backgrounds that don't connect with mm. the majority of voters and the majority of issues. And we have this darth where there's just nothing left to vote for. And that's, yeah. that's, that's the problem, and that's uh, why... And that's
1: what he did identify, whether you like yeah, it or not. Yeah, people shooting down Russell Brand
6: going, wait now, what, is there an is there equivalent there that, that can bank on this surge of excitement and that can give them actually something practical, who could go in and do something and, and well, stand for a parliament?
8: I think people are too ide- ideological. I mean, they go, well, I'll vote left-right. And mm. I think once you think ideologically, it's an inferior way to think. See, they're going about UKIP, and I I don't go on, oh, they're Nazis, or this, or that. It's just propaganda. That's all propaganda. That's slogans, bullshit, low mentality, nonsense. You go, well, what are their policies? Yeah, absolutely. And you go, UKIP's policies. I've studied them. From I I wouldn't vote for anybody, but I look Mm. at UKIP's policies. Some of the policies are good. Like what? Like what? Well, they don't want to get involved in foreign wars. That's one thing. They want to regulate the banking system. That's another good thing. Uh, They want a referendum, maybe. Uh, As far as immigration goes, they think you should have control of the borders. When
1: when did you read these policies?
8: Well, I've read them online. In the break. Because
2: (laughs) they've already changed, mate. No, no, no. no. Well, I know not (laughs) a They really going on
1: about... uh, They were repatriating people last week, and they were reclassifying the children of migrants as immigrants. Well, I listened to Nigel Farage
8: yesterday or the day before, and he was saying that, yeah, what's going on in the Ukraine is really stupid that we're provoking Russia, which we are. And he wants no part of it. He doesn't want any part of what, what's happening in Syria but or what happened in Libya. Brit- Britain
6: so. has been one of the biggest rulers of of the of the modern world, and even the, Britain has been one of the biggest rulers in the world yeah. for quite a long time. You, unfortunately, you're the grandchildren of a lot of the problems that your great and great grandfathers have caused. You can't just walk away from that and go, "We've no more responsibility now," because it's just not kind of cool. Mm. There, Britain is Britain and America have created and have helped a lot of situations. But you can't just walk away from them now and go, we're not going to get involved in foreign wars. Sorry, but it's historically too late. Oh, no, I don't think it is. You can stop there. a war. You know, I
8: think you can stop a war, and I think you should stop a war, because it's the wars are all contrived. It's not It's not about war. They call it in- humanitarian intervention, which is just bullshit. It's a, the bombing people. Yeah, yeah of course, um, but... It is. It's just, it's all. You have a look at the countries who are being attacked, and you can see, well, uh, in the Middle East or North Africa, they're all independent Arab countries who are producing. All, but all moving away from the American dollar, whether it's Libya, Syria, Iraq, all moving away from the American dollar. So then the petrodollar is under threat, and that's why these countries get attacked, so they can put puppets in power who then change it so that they deal, sell their oil three American dollar and that's what it's all about and they go they try to paint a humanitarian face on it's bullshit from the top to bottom
2: right.
8: um, you
5: so you agree with UKIP UK then still
8: on, on some policy but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily vote for them but I, I don't look I look at the two main parties or three main parties they're abysmal puppets all, all three of them mm. And how can you vote for any of them? But places. in Spain, but no in Spain, there. this yeah. fourth
1: option has come from the left, which is uh, it makes a lot more sense. So you, you're talking about a, a party about run a by a former commodities you did, trader. I'm You've got Lord Willoughby de Brooke sits on the House I'm of Lords benches parties. for them. At the Earl of Dartmouth sits in the European Parliament for them, and they sell themselves as representing ordinary people, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. And and it's, yeah, it's yeah. it is, I think, the technical political science term is, is bollocks, yeah. is yeah. what. It, <laughs>
2: But uh, it's, it's a pity
1: the Green party But it's, aren't it's fourth. It's game another game option right. that's not. So, exactly. So, in Spain, you've got Podemos at the moment, who've done all of these things. They've, they've ripped up the rule book. They've completely challenged the status quo. They've described mm. the established parties as being moribund and yeah. interchangeable and identical. Yeah. But they've said, we're here to help everybody, not just mm. people who have got the right passport or the right skin color or the right. Um, yeah. ethnicity, and, and uh, that, that's, that's, that's where Russell Brand, I, I thought, was exciting for a well, while. Right.
6: But he's not actually talking to anyone who will make a difference exactly. because he's asking people, no, no. not, I, I mean, who, he, who, is, who reads his book, I mean, that if he's telling people not to vote, voting is your voice and your choice. Nick Clegg or the Pope?
2: Uh, Pope. Is this
6: like, would you rather? No, yeah. it's snog, snog, yeah. marry, avoid. <laughs> snor- the Pope. Yeah. You want to
1: go with the Pope? The Pope, uh, we, we, we've noticed this week, has been making some, actually sort of really powerful comments. He's been talking about immigration policies and demanding a sort of Christian charity that people get treated decently. He said there's a vacuum of ideals in the West, bureaucratic technicalities. He's attacked the European Union. Free market capitalism has come in for a kicking. He says the autonomy of the markets should be rejected. Spoken out against uh, uh, the Mediterranean becoming a vast cemetery for the boat people that Trevor was referring to earlier, although perhaps not the Mediterranean ones. Um, Dialogue with ISIS threat of state terrorism he's been saying some really amazing stuff and nobody's noticed this was one speech I think it was pretty much yeah What is required is a concerted commitment on the part of all, based on mutual trust which can pave the way to lasting peace and enable resources to be directed not to weaponry, but to the other noble battles worthy of man. The fight against hunger and sickness, the promotion of sustainable development, and the protection of creation and the relief of the many forms of poverty and marginalization, of which there is no shortage in the world today. Sounds like Russell Brand. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the Pope. and and I I was raised a Catholic, and that really took me by surprise, because normally it's like nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Quick, put the paedophiles in the back of the van. Nothing to see yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Ah, oh, the van again. The, the yeah, back yeah. in the van.
6: Always van.
1: Why would the Pope not get the credit he deserves, Ashley?
6: Uh, I think this, this guy, well, I was raised very Catholic as well, but this guy, who's he's only been in, what, Pope Francis has only been in, what, four years? Yeah, and he, bel- he, he knows what he can achieve and what he can't. So he hasn't come in in a sort of blaze of glory, but he seems to be a good egg. And um, he's lived a very humble existence, um, and so he kind of lives by what he'd like to preach. I think the, the the church became, for quite a long time, rather than a source of hope and inspiration, it became a bit like Starbucks, just sort of um, trying to s- screw money and other things out of people. Um, but now... He's yeah, the real deal, then, you he's think? He's the real deal, yeah. And I think See, that the speech was, was a, over a, for half... A, like, it went on for half an hour, and he wasn't afraid to stand there and sort of talk about... Um, I think it probably went under the weather because it was probably very sensible advice. So he wasn't going, you know, like, ah, oh, <laughs> crying, you know, <laughs> cry, we'll <We're> cry, <crying." laughs> you know. he was just like going, well, maybe we should be nicer to each other, not be dicks. Oh,
1: <sighs> a bit boring. And he, he was to say, five hundred million people could be here by Friday, so he was yeah. sort of achieving a. a, a there,
6: there's more. I think there's there's a, this slowly, slowly catchy monkey as they say in the church <laughs> um, but I think that sort of policy is more like, like
1: slowly slowly catchy altar boy wasn't it yeah <laughs> yeah there was,
6: <laughs> was loads of that one um, no slowly slowly catchy monkey was Michael Jackson's <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's an easy mistake to make Uh, but I I, I think like he's made something like I think a couple of weeks ago he he fired a cardinal who had sort of uh, big views he was uh, homophobic that's right yeah yeah, this would have been a huge
1: story at any point in my life I would have thought and yet something at the age of 42 suddenly the Pope being sensible and nice and and, 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 and quite Christian maybe
6: that's what they need maybe it just needs to be more
7: groundwork
1: well it it is a shock But he's, he's
8: left it late, hasn't he? He could have said... It. <laughs> Three, well, years uh, ago, yeah, well, as a re-
1: representative, only a couple of years. Oh, he, a couple of years, yeah. yeah. said something. Well, they, the other fellow had to retire because because he was in charge when a lot of the really, really bad stuff went.
8: Oh, yeah. He, uh, so what what happened? happened to the old... He retired he, because he of... Retired,
1: illness. yeah. He's, he's, he's now living in poverty okay. in Rio de Janeiro, helping oh, okay. the... I'm sorry, he's now living in a palace just okay. outside okay. Rome with a staff of 412. Oh,
8: right. <laughs> yeah, fucking okay. shocking. Oh, uh, I'm an ex-Catholic as well, so we're all taught... It's fucked our lives up, hasn't it, really? I'm a mess. Any more Catholics out there? Yes, it has
7: <laughs> it I'm a Swedish atheist hello <laughs> I don't believe in God I'm happy Tobias,
1: while, while you're I'm talking fulfilled. there was a report last week of a steep increase in the number of teenagers in Finland suffering from insomnia why? Uh, they can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why.
2: Yeah.
1: Easy. This has been No Pressure to Be Funny, presented by me, James O'Brien, created by Alistair Barry and Nick Rebel, featuring Ashley V, Beatrix Campbell, Trevor Crook, Trap- Tobias Pershing, and James Sherwood. Thank you very much, and good night.